Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, The Big Show, the biggest and most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our car. Today, we're in the Red Studio, and we're heading somewhere. We're now rolling down the road, and today, we're going to make this short and sweet. This will be a short podcast because we're almost to our location, but we wanted to go ahead and pop this out because it's not. there's not really that much to say. We're just, I'm just going to turn it over to my co-host, Spice, and she's going to knock this puppy right on out of the park. Okay. The problem we're looking at here is antibiotics might come to be in short supply in some time in our futures. And you definitely don't want to use antibiotics when you don't need antibiotics, especially if they're in short supply. And so if you have no doctor you can consult, I'm not a physician. Uh, I'm just reporting what I've read in the medical literature. If you don't have a physician, you can ask about these things. And you have to decide whether or not a situation is worth antibiotics. This is just about some simple steps, some simple uh, things you can look for to make an educated guess about whether or not you need antibiotics for a particular situation when you don't have a medical professional you can consult. So it hits the most commonly encountered Situations, upper respiratory infections are obviously first on the list of commonly encountered things for which one might be tempted to give antibiotics, especially if you've got kids, because they're extremely sharing with their germs, their little germ factories. Uh, So if you've got kids or you're around kids especially, but adults as well, upper respiratory infections, extremely common. And the bad news is they all look kind of a lot alike. Wow, I don't feel very good. I don't have much appetite. I might be running a little bit of a fever. I've got some stuffiness. I've got a runny nose. Maybe I've got a sore throat. Uh, Those kinds of things are not very diagnostic of what particular problem you got. And antibiotics have been overused and badly used. And frankly, there are two main sources for most of these infections, bacteria and viruses. Bacteria are tiny but free-living, independent little cells. They parasitize your body, they use your resources, but they have their very own metabolic pathways, their very own uh, chemical processes. And so we've got some wonderful drugs that interfere with their processes that do not interfere with our processes. And we call those drugs antibiotics. And if you get the right antibiotic, they are literally wonder drugs. They have saved countless lives by killing off the bacteria without killing off the person who's carrying around the bacteria. So they're very powerful against bacteria. Bad news is they're entirely useless against viruses. Because viruses are not independent cells. They're actually worse than useless. Yes, because they will kill off bacteria that are doing some good things for you, and they might have some other negative side effects right, while so doing no good against the actual infection. Some of these things kill off a lot of good gut bacteria along with the bad bacteria. All of them do, actually. Well, some, some are more... Some are more potent than others, yes. Yeah. So, so you can really yeah. you can actually weaken yourself by taking these things when you don't need to. You can give yourself a long-lasting gut infection trying to cure yourself of a sniffle that's not even curable by the antibiotic. 
So they're a problem. The viruses don't aren't free-living cells. They're just little particles of protein and DNA or RNA. They make their way inside of your cells. They take over your cells and pre-program your cells to make a bunch more viruses. So they do reproduce themselves, sort of, but it's really tricking you into making the viruses because they can't make anything on their own. They don't have enough of their own biochemical processes to do that. They also don't have enough of their own biochemical processes to be good targets for drugs like antibiotics. We don't have any good antiviral drugs. And by good, I mean effective in the way antibiotics are effective against bacteria. We've got some things that are kind of helpful, yeah, but nothing that just kills off viruses. Because they're not really alive. They're just reprogramming your cells. So the key decision is, is this problem I'm having bacterial or is it viral? If it's bacterial, then antibiotics might be the right solution. If it's viral, antibiotics are worthless or used, or worse than useless. So upper respiratory tract infections, the sniffling, the sore throat, the cough, the little fever. Here are some cues that the people who are physicians tell you to look for. Most of the upper respiratory tract infections are, in fact, viral. And they're going to go away. Your immune system is going to kick them off. And taking the antibiotics is not going to help a bit. How do you know when they're bacterial and you really ought to take drugs for them? If the fever gets high, because viral upper respiratory infections tend to cause fairly low fevers, like 101 Fahrenheit. And bacterial infections tend to cause higher fevers, like 103, 104, and up Fahrenheit fevers. So higher fevers are more likely bacterial. If you've got a, the sniffle or whatever for three or four or five days, and then it suddenly gets worse and the fever gets higher, it probably started out viral and then you added a bacterial infection. And now antibiotics might be helpful, even though it didn't start out that way. You'll see a lot of these, and I'm not a doctor, and nor do I play one on the Internet, nor is she a doctor, and nor does she play one on the Internet. But you'll see a lot of that, that situation is with, pops up when you end up with the uh, sinus infections. Yeah. It's, a, it's actually not really directly related in, to the viral part of it, but it comes on later because of all the mucus and crud. Yeah. Most of the sinusitis starts out viral. But some of it adds a bacterial infection on top of it once the virus damages your, your, the cells that are supposed to be defending you from the outside world get damaged by the viruses and then some of the bacteria invade. But if you don't get that worsening of symptoms and that higher fever, then it's probably still viral. And if it were me, I wouldn't be taking any antibiotics for that. So, yeah, um, one of the problems that we have is, uh, uh, way too much um, antibiotics uh, just yeah. in case we're looking we're, we slowed down we're looking for turtles at a spot where there usually is turtles we love seeing turtles in, in ponds yeah like water water turtles so yeah I saw three or four of them okay so. he's better at finding them than I am well yeah I, and I, was, I drive this road three, days a week, <laughs> three times a week too this is one of my I drive this road for work so so 
if the fever isn't very high and the symptoms haven't taken a sharp uptick, it would probably still be viral. And the other thing is how long it lasts. In a kid, since they get most of the upper respiratory tract infections, the cold, the viral things tend to last a little bit longer, like 10 to 14 days. But if the course extends beyond 10 to 14 days, it's more likely to be bacterial, and it's more likely that antibiotics are appropriate. Okay, I am not a doctor, nor do I play one on the internet. But I do know that very few of these turn into pneumonia and people die from. They, they're just uncomfortable. They make you feel terrible. But they're not generally fatal. And this needing, wanting and needing to instantaneously feel better, I get. I'm like everybody else. I want to do that. But this, in my opinion, leads to a lot of over a over-prescribing of antibiotics where they're really not needed. Where anybody, I mean, if you cut yourself and you start to get an infection, yeah, that can kill you. Yeah, if it gets all red and puffy and a red streak starts crawling in the direction of your heart, okay. Yeah. Then you've got an infection. You've really infection. got to knock that puppy out. We've but, had, I've had that happen once to me from a spider bite. And we did not mess with that. No. that We went straight to the, to the big guns right away. Being yeah. the physician. Was the big guns, by the way, right. not we me the, pulling something out right. of a refrigerator. We the <laughs> which is a, which is a key thing. Even if you have uh, antibiotics at home that you're comfortable with, that you feel like this is a good. I got this from a good source. This is a, a legitimate drug. Even if you feel that, unless you are a physician, and then you just write your own prescription or have a colleague do it, and don't take those instead of going to see a physician when a physician is available. Frankly, they know more about this stuff than you do. They really do. And they know about stuff like how long do you take this and what dose. And as we always say, the number one bad thing you can do when you start an antibiotic, uh, starting on antibiotics, is not finish the the treatment. If you start it, even... Well, I I had this happen to me where we thought I had a... uh, uh, bacterial infection. Turns out it wasn't. Turns out it was something completely different. It had all of the earmarks of the bacterial inf- infection, though. But it wasn't. So we found out, we got the test results back about a third of the way through my treatment for the antibiotics. What did I do? I finished the antibiotics. Because that, you just have to, so you don't get into this uh, antibiotic resistance problem. Otherwise, you're just training your bacteria to be resistant to the drug. Okay, so that's upper respiratory tract infections, probably viral, but look for those three things. Another common thing is pneumonia, and pneumonias are more likely to be viral than bacterial, but it's a much closer call. So there's a bigger risk that pneumonia, where you've got the coughing and you're getting blue around the lips and you're having trouble breathing. Uh, that sound, Those are pneumonia kinds of things. So once again, the degree of fever is the single biggest indicator they say to look for, with high fevers being more likely bacterial 
and less of a fever, only a mild fever being more likely to be viral. Um, and there's a lot more cough, apparently, with a viral than with bacterial pneumonias. The, but again, if at all possible, a doctor is the is the absolutely the way to go. absolutely doctor I, certified nurse practitioner, you know somebody with medical degree is the way to go. I I do I I know a lot more about this than the average Joe on the street, but that's where I go when I or Salty have a problem. I don't trust my my knowledge when I can go to somebody who knows better. I'm just relating stuff I've gotten out of the uh, literature here. The last major thing I wanted to hit on is the uh, urinary tract infections. That uh, burning sensation and sense of urgency when relieving oneself. You feel like you really got to go, really got to go, really got to go right now. But then you try and go and there's not much in your bladder and it burns when it comes out. That is the classic um, description of what a urinary tract infection looks and feels like. More common in women and elderly men and little bitty kids and uncircumcised little bitty boys than they are in males because the bacteria have longer to go in guys. And I'm not really going to get carried away with that description. But it does happen. It does happen. Yeah. Uh, the main story with those is most of those are, in fact, bacterial. Right with E. coli being the most common. Unlike the other two categories we talked about today, you don't tend to get UTIs from another individual. You're more likely to get a urinary tract infection from bacteria that are perfectly normal and harmless when they're on your surface, but some of them manage to crawl their way up into the bladder and set up a living there, and that's why you're having a problem. And E. coli bacteria are the most common cause of UTIs, although... Yeah, some are viral, some are fungal, some are other bacteria. But it's most more likely bacteria than anything else, and E. coli is the most likely culprit. Just if you want to know the odds when you're rolling the dice if you can't consult a professional. Good to know. That's what I had. Okay, thank you for listening, and we hope you found this useful. Uh, we have a companion article to this on Beans, Bullet Bandages, and you.com. And we'll catch you the next time.